I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. And welcome back to the Talking Barney podcast, where we wade through the Barney to tell you about the real Ireland. My name is Stuart McNamara, and unfortunately, I am once again here on my lonesome. My wonderful co-host Robert Cross is in Dublin at the minute with his lovely girlfriend, and I believe that they might be moving in to their new apartment. So you'll have to bear with me once again as I do a solo episode. Now, since they're moving into a new apartment, and we've had a lot, a lot of talk in the news recently about housing in Ireland, I thought it would be a good idea to take this episode to kind of go through a bit of what is happening here, because it's been kind of non-stop the last couple of weeks and months and it's a an interesting history it goes quite a ways back and I'm going to give a brief overview of it here it all started back in like the 90s you know 1990-ish thereabouts when we had what we called here the Celtic Tiger or the boom so this was kind of a like a, a huge period of of economic growth uh, it was massive for us. I mean, they even named it the Celtic Tiger because a similar thing was going on or had been going on years earlier in Asia. They, they called it the East Asian Tigers. It was Hong Kong, Singapore, South Korea and Taiwan. They kind of had huge booms there where, you know, money was flowing in and everyone was getting wealthy and it was all great times. So we were having that in the 90s and everyone was happy. But of course, it doesn't stay that way forever. So it was kind of a, a huge period of economic growth that transformed Ireland uh, from one of uh, Western Europe's poorest countries to one of its wealthiest. So it was absolutely massive for people at the time. You know, the wealth was everywhere. People were spending left, right and centre. Uh, and it was all kind of driven by so many different factors. So you had like, there was the the government was kind of funneling money into, into things, you know, infrastructure. You know, there were partnerships with the employers and trade unions you know the government was getting involved in that as well so like people were getting paid better uh, one of the awful things about that i'm about to say now is just kind of goes to show how backwards ireland was uh, before this time but uh the increased participation by women in the labor force which sounds bad that they weren't before that but it's a good thing that they got into it so you know more women were working there was decades of investment in like higher education so you know universities were like really building up getting lots of people in, training up higher skilled people, uh, so, you know, better wages, better jobs, and uh, you, with that, then you bring better companies to the country. Part of that as well was a very low corporation tax rate that, I mean, it's a good and a bad thing. I mean, we got companies like Dell, Intel were here, Intel are here, you know, now we have like Google and Uber and Airbnb as well. We have a lot of companies that come here because we have low corporation tax. Um, I think it's a bad thing, mostly because we're basically a tax haven. They funnel money through Ireland and don't really pay any tax on it. I think some of them probably practically zero, which is ridiculous for, you know, Google making a hundred billion a year or whatever. But they do it. But 
on the other side of that, then at least there are huge companies here that require a large workforce. And so we get a lot of people, a lot of people get hired, a lot of people are getting paid well. So it, it's, it's hard to know which side to really fall on that. I would still think that the corporation tax rate is probably a little bit too low. So you, you had a lot of foreign direct investment, you know, part of that being that we were members of the EU. So, you know, we had a lot of people kind of coming in to the country as well. And being part of the EU just made it easier to move around and get new companies in here quickly. You know, being part of the single market as well and eventually being part of the euro, we had the same currency and stuff like that just made it a lot easier. As well as that, you kind of have the geography, which is a weird one. But, you know, you're talking about Ireland, you know, we're the westernmost part of Europe so we're right there. The next stop is really America. So we're kind of a great point for, say, an American or a European country that wants to be in both markets. So you can kind of set up your, your headquarters in Ireland. And then if you have to meet someone in Europe for a meeting or whatever, or in America, you're very close on either side rather than being further away. I think that's kind of how it works. You know, <laughs> I'm not the CEO of a company or anything, so I have no idea. So, you know, you'd better pay people who had more money because of that, people were spending a lot more at the same time. So, you know, there were foreign holidays. I think, what was it they said? Like 91% of all holidays that Irish people took were foreign. So, you know, we were just spending like crazy. And part of that, of course, we were buying lots and lots of houses. You know, you had a, a lot of people were buying second homes, renting them out, maybe holiday homes down by the seaside. So everyone was having a great time spending uh, like kings, but it couldn't stay that way forever. So we kind of move on then towards the late 2000s, which is when the Celtic Tiger died, as they say, and we get towards the Great Recession. So there were kind of a lot of things coming at this time. You had uh, banking scandals. So because of the Celtic Tiger, lots of money was flying everywhere and a lot of bankers were doing not so great things with that money. Uh, people were, you know, embezzling, stealing, whatever you want to call it. Money was being moved around, basically, basically for their own benefits. So, you know, when that came out, it was a big thing. And, you know, trust in banks and all that went down and they had to pay back a lot of money. So rates went up and whatever other nonsense. If Rob were here, he'd know a lot more about what happens in banks than I do. But <laughs> that's how it is. So, you know, as the Great Recession happened and, you know, the whole world went into a recession. So things got worse. I mean, with the Celtic Tiger, they were building homes left, right and centre all over the country. Houses were being built everywhere. And then all of a sudden, no one's buying houses anymore. Part of the reason that they, they weren't buying houses anymore is because the government kept giving tax incentives to people to buy new homes. And so that gave the the companies building them kind of carte blanche to increase the prices. Like, well, you know, if you're getting 30 grand and we charge an extra 20 grand, then everyone's happy, you get a house, we get a bit more money for it. So house prices increased, and then I think it was around 2007, 2008, people kind of, there was a dip, people weren't buying houses anymore, and so you have massive numbers of houses just staying vacant, that caused prices to fall, but at the same time with all the things going on in the banks, mortgages weren't being approved anymore, so you have less people buying, prices falling, I think in 2008 they said there were 230,000 vacant properties, I mean, part of that uh, is something that's now practically a feature of the countryside here is ghost estates. So what's happened is, you know, during the boom, Celtic Tiger building houses everywhere and then all of a sudden it stops and there's no more money. We're not, buy we're not buying houses. No more houses are being built. 
But part of that is houses that were in the middle of being built are now not being built. So you like you can find them in certain places. I mean, I'm sure if you look it up, you'll find images. But there are places out there now that just have half-built houses that have just been left abandoned. Uh, nothing's happening to them. They're not being, you know, they're never going to come back to them because... Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at BlueNile.com and remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The, you know, it's just a shell of a house. It mightn't even have a roof on it, windows, doors, things like that. Electricity probably hasn't been put in. But you just have, you know, the shell of a house that has been left to the elements for the past 15 years-ish. And so there's nothing they could do with them. you like, it would cost more money to then knock them down and build a new house there in its place and so for a lot of a lot of them they're just they've just been left um another big factor with what was happening was there was a lot of mortgage fraud so you know people thought that they were going to you know the boom was going to last forever and you know i'm going to get a better job or i'm going to get paid more the next year and the year after that so people were also overestimating their income and so like oh we can pay this much and you know that they use your income to calculate your mortgage and so then when it came to this crash happening a lot of people really just found that they weren't able to afford it anymore i mean people lost their jobs especially the the construction industry i think at one point during the boom 12.6 percent of the irish workforce was employed in the construction industry so you can imagine that's a huge number of people who were involved in in construction and now they're they're getting let go they've no more money and they have these massive mortgages part of that being as i said before that they were actually buying multiple houses a lot of them you know holiday homes or whatever else and so they might have already paid off the mortgage on the first house but now they have a second house uh, in some cases might have even paid off the first mortgage and so they're paying two and so part of that was a lot of homelessness uh there was a huge spike in it i mean it still hasn't been sorted now uh, there's a lot of homelessness. I think I heard the other week, or during the week, that in Dublin, a homeless woman actually passed away in the middle of the night. You know, it's it's part of the crisis, the housing crisis we have now. It's it's terrible. Uh, you know, people donate. I mean, even in Limerick here, I've seen a group come out in the evening times. They set up a, a little stall with soup and other food and drinks and stuff for, for the homeless of the city. But, you know, there's only so much the common people can do compared to what the government could possibly do. But back to the Great Recession, uh, RTE actually broadcast an investigation in a documentary which unearthed evidence that financial details of prospective customers were being sold by mortgage brokers to auctioneers. That information would then allow the auctioneers to maximise the price attained from prospective buyers. So you're imagining, and I think this investigation is still going on, 
by the way. But you have uh, these auctioneers who the who want to sell the house and obviously get their cut. They get however much percentage off the top. And so the mortgage brokers are telling them, well, this person said they've like they can apply for this much of a mortgage. So you could probably push them a little bit more if you had a plant in the audience to to drive the price up and they'll go to however much 300,000 or whatever and then everyone wins so we go on then and as all of this was happening the house prices started to drop rapidly because no one would buy them so prices come down to try to sell them in 2011 house prices in Dublin were down 51% from their peak apartment prices were down 60% and continued to fall so it was you know wild i know a couple of people probably got lucky in that time and purchased a house for quite a lot less than it would have gone for a couple of years earlier but you know you're you're talking then about people who had a mortgage on a house that they bought at the height of the recession when prices were high now they may not have the money to pay back that mortgage so they're trying to sell the house and what have they got they have a house that they're trying to sell at half the price of what they paid for it and so they still have a lot more mortgage to pay off. Um, then in 2012, more than 22% of Irish mortgages were in arrears or have been or had been restructured. So you imagine like that's, you know, almost a quarter of everyone who has a mortgage in the country could not pay it back or had to have it restructured because they couldn't pay it back. I mean, that's crazy numbers to think about for an entire country to have a quarter of people not being able to pay their mortgage on their house. But then we kind of get to now, which it's still a shit show here. Um, at the minute, we have a problem where no houses are being built. Very few. It, it's it's practically a trickle of new houses are coming out. And so part of the problem with that is that when new houses have been built, vulture funds are coming in and buying them out. Vulture funds being kind of massive kind of investment groups. I think a lot of them are faceless. You don't even know who actually is part of them, but people put in money into these vulture funds and they'll buy up like an entire estate. Uh, I think last week or the week before, something like 120 houses in one estate were bought up, like just built houses, new homes, ready for people to, to first time buyers to come in and purchase their first house. And this vulture fund comes in, purchases the lot. And what happens when they when they buy them? They come back on the market as rental properties. So that's where they make their money, and it's been going on for quite some time. I know the the opposition parties have tried to force the government to do something about it, uh, which is not working. I mean, I think they tried passing a bill to reduce the number of houses that they could purchase to 10, but like they'll still just buy 10 at a time rather than 128 at once. Like They could still snap up the whole lot of them if they wanted to. It's, it's not a good system, and I think another you know, voted down, as far as I'm aware. Another one was to increase the stamp duty on the houses that were bought by vulture funds. I think it was like 10%. But, you know, there are ways around that tax incentives and rebates and whatever nonsense else. You know, these vulture funds are smart. They know what they're doing. And clearly, the government is in bed with them. Another aspect to where we are now is that a lot of politicians actually own uh, second homes and whatever else that they rent out. I think the number is about a third of all politicians in Ireland own a second home that they rent out. So they have no incentive to reduce rents. I mean, the rent in Ireland is is ludicrous now. Uh, the average rent has almost doubled since 2011. 
nationally it's at around 1400 euro and in dublin it's at over 2000 euro so that like it's it's crazy i mean what can i say i i rented an apartment in rome maybe three four years back for the summer and i think i spent 500 euro a month you know <laughs> like you, you can't compare the two i was in rome i mean i'd have to spend four times that to live in Dublin. I mean, not saying Dublin's not lovely, but I was in Rome, near the Colosseum and all the rest of it. You know, pizza every day. I'd rather spend 500 euro there. It's it's just been, you know, massive. The house prices are still growing. I think they've gone up 3.7% apparently this year. Um, I know, uh, to give you a specific example, the house that I currently live in with my parents, shockingly, I think it was bought in 1995. So, you know, Started the Celtic Tiger, and I think was bought for somewhere between thirty and fifty thousand Irish pounds at the time, and a house just up the road, same house, same estate, went for a quarter of a million last year, the year before. Either way, like you, you could see, like it, the the difference is huge between thirty to fifty thousand, and now a quarter of a million. It's mental. I think the average price for a home in Dublin is now four hundred and fifty thousand euro. So it, it's it's enormous. With that, the Irish banks charge the highest mortgage rates in any country in the Eurozone. So any country that in Europe, basically in the in the EU, I should say, uh, we charge more for the mortgages. The interests are higher, which is just insane. Couple that then with what we were saying last week or the week before, myself and Rob, that a report has come out that our generation, millennials, if you want to call it that, are going to be worse off than the previous generation. Like this. <laughs> You know, what are we supposed to do? I mean, it's a crazy time in Ireland. You know, a lot of young people are living at home to try to save money for a house, but the house prices keep going up. So the more you save, or the longer you save for, the more you have to save. You know, it's just not getting any better. Another part of the problem, then, is actually social housing. So we have a lot of social housing in Ireland, you know, helping, you know, single mothers people who uh who are on the dole which is our um welfare i suppose you call it and there are houses there set aside that are you know the rent is cheaper and a lot of the upkeep is, is maintained by government employees but a lot of those houses are being left empty and just kind of abandoned you know they'll board up the the doors and windows and just leave it there and that's also part of the problem you have hundreds and hundreds of houses and, you know, I've walked past a lot of them in, in Limerick City. You know, you see them everywhere, just houses that someone could be living in, but they aren't because, you know, they might need some refurbishment to them because they're getting a little bit old or whatever else. But a perfectly good home for anyone who wants it. So it's a bit of a struggle. Um, You know, I'm keeping an eye on the news to see if anything's going to change. I doubt it really will. With the current government, they are very much in the pockets of big money and big business. They don't really have the best interests of the people at heart. And they're just kind of happy to leave things as they are, which is people struggling to make rent. But, you know, I mean, same with everywhere else. Hopefully, next time we have an election coming around, we can kick them out, get someone better in, and uh, make a change for the better. But that's about all I have for you today. Uh, apologies that we didn't have Rob, but... Hopefully he'll be back next week and we'll be able to do our review of Finian's Rainbow, which I have watched. And, oh boy, I should have read something about it beforehand because there's one particularly problematic thing in there that is troubling. We'll talk about it. We'll try to discuss it as best we can, being as careful as possible 
to not offend anyone or get ourselves cancelled or in trouble. But we'll see how that goes once we have Rob back. So thanks very much for listening. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I know I kind of become a bit more doom and gloom when Rob's not around, but... <laughs> You know, these are the things that are in the news at the minute. They're on everyone my age's mind. So I think it's it's definitely interesting for me anyway to learn a bit about them and the history of it, which I didn't overly know. Uh, obviously, there's a lot I still don't know banking-wise and all of that nonsense. But I have a bit more perspective on how we got to where we are. If you enjoyed this, please give us a review on whatever app you're using. If you have any questions or comments, you can always email us at talkingblarneypod at gmail.com. You can... Send us a tweet at BlarneyPod, and we're actually now on YouTube, surprisingly. Uh, I'm currently trying to post all of the backlog to our YouTube channel, which I think is just Talking Blarney Pod. You'll find it if you put in Talking Blarney. Uh, so, slán, and we'll see you next week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.